Welcome back to Flavor Report. I'm Joe Winger. Today we're talking with Jim Hand from Hand Barrel Bourbon. Today's conversation is great for bourbon lovers, cocktail drinkers, and for people who've always wanted to launch their own bourbon brand. We're going to talk about what it takes to launch the brand. We're going to talk about the recipe and how they got the flavor just right, all the awards they're winning, and how they got their bottles in the store and how you can get one of their bottles for your, on your own. So with all that said, let's join the conversation now with Jim Hand from Hand Barrel Bourbon. Jim, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, welcome to Flavor Report. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's, uh, you know, we're really excited to, to be having this conversation. That's fantastic. Um, I know you have recent awards. I know you have some really unique uh, designs, but let's start at the beginning a little bit and just go back to the hand barrel team itself is a unique team of personalities. So what year did you guys start and how did you all come together? Yeah, so um, so Scott and I, like you, like you said, uh, I was, you know, right out of college, I was selling software, and I actually got a, a, an unsolicited LinkedIn message. Uh, from oh. Scott. <laughs> uh, didn't know him from Adam, and it just said, you know, hey, I have this highly competitive team, I'm looking for good players, are you interested? And, you know, you, you get messages and you're not supposed to meet people from the internet, but I had a good feeling about them. And uh, he, he knew a guy who had played at Northeastern a few years before me. And so sort of the connection. So we, we met up, uh, had a couple beers and, you know, he had some other guys from the team there. And so I got to, got to meet some of them and, and he did a phenomenal job assembling such a great group of athletes, but also great business people, corporate lawyers, real estate, software sales, other entrepreneurs. It was like a, it was a networking group as much as a softball team. Uh, you know, we got to be buddies through, uh, through softball. I actually ended up bringing a couple of my teammates along. Uh, we wound up winning the championship and, uh, and yeah, and, and Scott's an entrepreneur. He, he's never worked a real corporate job. He's always worked for himself. He's a hustler. He's a creative guy. He's a, he's a very, very smart guy. And me at the time, I, I, I was a, a whiskey fan. I, I, I've liked whiskey for a while and I was, it, it just kind of hit me. And, and I just said, why don't you make a bottle and put whiskey in it and make it look like a whiskey barrel? He, he was like, well, why don't we do that? And I said, why don't we? So, and that's really how, how it got started. It, and I, you know, in my mind, it, it's so intuitive. I can't believe I, I thought of it and nobody else thought of it before me. And then we're, you know, we're brainstorming, we're looking up stuff and, and figuring out, okay, well, you know, Scott has a tech background. I have a tech background. We don't know anything about spirits. And Scott mentioned Bjorn uh, as, you know, the new one from high school. They did some work together back then when he was kind of starting his first business. Bjorn helped him out a little bit. And he was the manager of the highest volume bar in Boston, uh, Bell in Hand. And he was like, that's a perfect guy. COVID was, was happening. He wasn't really slinging drinks right now. And so he had some availability. And so we, we talked to him and he was interested in, in coming in. And so that's, 
really how we came up with the idea and how we uh, how we came up with the team and, um, and and got started. From that first conversation, or when you at least thought, "Hey, this is a good idea," from that moment to bottle on the shelf, or what was the timeline from idea to reality? I'd say just over two years. Okay. Uh, we we raised money um, in 2021 mm -hmm. uh, in the first quarter, and we took that money and we we invested it all into product. Um, we went and we already had the bottle, which is how we were able to raise the money, and it was a a, a version of the of the brown our single barrel bottle today. And with Scott's sort of Rolodex and his and his background and being a successful entrepreneur. Raising money, it, it, it was much easier than I thought it was going to be uh, for our first round. And so we have this awesome package and everybody we talk to that knows anything about anything says, well, the package is going to sell the first one. What's inside of it will sell all the rest. And it was the best piece of advice we got. And it was something we had an inkling on, but uh, it was really true. So we went to, to Kentucky. The, the place that uh, that 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 founded bourbon. Um, and we went around to probably ten different distilleries, checking out the facilities, their bottling, the Rick houses, and then most importantly, the distillate. Um, understanding what kind of a flavor profile we're going after, what's selling right now, what's what's growing market share right now from a mash bill. And then, so we settled on uh, a, uh, a distillery that um, we were very comfortable with, um, a mash bill that we thought was really good, a sweet mash, 64% corn, 24% rye, 12% malted barley. And what this does uh, with the sweet mash and the high rye content allows for a more mature tasting notes to come out early. You know, a lot of people are interested today in weeded bourbon. Buffalo Trace does a lot of weeded bourbon. Maker's Mark uh, does, a, does weeded bourbon. And it's, it's a sweeter, heavier tasting um, whiskey, bourbon, but it takes a lot longer for it to come to that maturity and, and to come to those flavor characteristics that everybody loves. Rye on the other hand, is a much faster aging grain uh, in, com in comparison to, to wheat. And so we took that into consideration to think, well, we have money now. We want to launch reasonably soon. So this seems like it would be the right mash bill to go with so we could get the best characteristics in the least amount of time and get onto the shelves. And so we came up with the idea in late 2020. We raised money in early 2021. And then we got on shelves uh, in November of 2022. That seems very fast as, as you lay it out. It seems like, and, and forgive the wording, but a lot of things went your way. It doesn't sound like there were too many uh, mistakes or hiccups or stumbles. And that also says a lot about your vision and your team itself. I just realized you've done something that a whole lot of people fantasize about doing and have never actually done. So you don't have to give away 
the numbers, for instance, but if you're comfortable, if, if there's a safe amount of that, how much you raised, number one, if there's, if there's an amount you're comfortable with, if not, I understand. And number two, because you did something that so many people fantasize about doing, is there a tip or a lesson or a realization in that process that you learned from this experience of raising the money and creating the company? Yeah. So for, for our initial raise, it was in the neighborhood of a million dollars, give or take. And for tips and tricks, uh, you know, I'll say this to anybody because it's the truth. It's finding great partners and mentors. Um, everybody has, can have a good, anybody can have a good idea. Um, you know, you sit back and you're having a couple of drinks and I'm sure that everybody's had that, that moment where they've come up with a great idea. And then the next day, everybody wakes up, goes back to the job and, and never really acts on it. So finding people that can give you the confidence to actually go for it, I think it is massive. I mean, Scott, Scott's a, uh, in a league of his own in that unwavering confidence in his vision. And it's something that he's really kind of helped me learn myself. Um, you know, and then, you know, I've always wanted to start a business, but I didn't know where to start. And so learning this process through Scott has been, has been immensely helpful. And for me personally, you know, maybe hand barrel isn't the last chapter or the last business that I have in the, uh, in the bag. Uh, but now I have the confidence. I have some of the know-how to, to launch something that if, if you're not taught, it, it can take a lot of time and, and trial and error um, to actually come to fruition. And, and people, you know, people have a hard time with failure. Uh Everybody does. And so the way you can kind of hedge that bet, I guess, is finding really good people who know what they're doing to, to help you out. You mentioned raising and raising the money wasn't as hard as it you thought it would be or could have been. Was it just a step one, step two, step three, step four, or was it more of, a, of an adventure than that? So for our, for we're going through a raise right now. Now this okay. is what I expected. This has been a bit of a grind, uh, chasing people around, making calls, making connections. Anybody that you've talked to in the last, you know, three four years that has, you know, some money in the bank that you know of, reaching out to them. Who do you know? You know, some of those types of things. So that's more what I was expecting. Now is what we're going through, and I'm glad we're doing it now that I have much more time and attention to, to, to give the business. But for the original raise, Scott had, you know, through his past and success as an entrepreneur, had a, a Rolodex of investors. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that we had this really cool bottle and this very thought out vision for a business um, gave, gave people confidence to, um, to, to, to invest in our business at a at an infant stage we didn't have whiskey we didn't even you know we had no paperwork we had nothing we just had a cool bottle and a convincing story let's talk more about this cool bottle um it's obviously a unique design tell just tell me from my again idea to creation how how it happened and 
what your favorite parts are about it. Yeah, so it was just, it was as simple as, as the idea. So we're, we have, you know, I have the, the, the light bulb moment at breakfast, barrel, it looks like a bottle. Okay, let's do it. Okay, well, where do we start? Well, we probably need a bottle. That's a good idea. So we pull out our phones and we're just Googling glass bottle barrel, glass bottle or barrel, barrel glass bottle and kind of switching up the words because it was deep on like page five of the Google search. And there was actually a vendor who was uh, selling these bottles. There's a, three expressions. We, we have our white bottle. That's our small batch, uh, which is a blend of about 50 different barrels uh, to create that, that flavor profile. We have our single barrel, which is the brown one, uh, which is just that, you know, single barrel, you know, it's, it's as simple as it sounds. It's one barrel that they take out of the rickhouse and they bottle everything in it, usually produce about 210 to 230 bottles per barrel. Uh, and then our black expression, which is our double oak, um, which is aged to maturity in its original oak wood cask, and then barreled again in an additional oak wood cask to gather more of those woody characteristics and a, a flavor profile that people really enjoy. So I guess we we've kind of walked through each of the uh, each of the products. A minute ago, you were talking about flavor notes and, and how it was created. You were mentioning this back when you went to uh, Nashville to Tennessee to learn, oh. I'm sorry, Kentucky, to, uh, to um, start the process. Before you started the process, what was your level of knowledge with bourbon? And are you, I'm assuming you had to go much deeper, but are you surprised or is there anything you're learning yourself as a whiskey brand owner that you just either never realized or you're getting deeper into that knowledge or what's that what's that adventure like for you yeah so i i candidly when i came up with the idea i i actually preferred scotch to be honest uh i like the sweeter lighter characteristics of it um when we looked at it imports coming across the sea okay let's go with something domestic what about bourbon so i knew next to nothing about bourbon i knew that there was you know i knew maker's mark and wild turkey and you know something called a woodford um but i really didn't have a depth of knowledge in it so i went to netflix i watched the, uh there's a, a bourbon documentary on there i got in deep into youtube and then started attending a few shows some whiskey festivals um as my basis of knowledge, this is before we went to Kentucky, this is before we did anything, just so I would even know what questions to ask. Because it's, a, it's you know, people think that bourbon has to be from Kentucky. And the truth is it doesn't. All you need is it has to be made in America. Uh, it needs to be at least 51% corn in the mash bill, which is the minimum. Most have about 70 plus. You need to have... Uh, two years in a new charred oak wood barrel. You can't use used barrels for your initial aging of your bourbon. Uh, and that's really it. Um, it has to have, yeah, it, you know, they're usually mixed with wheat or rye or malted barley is, is, is or they're in the mash bill. 
but they, it could be a, a, a corn and a wheat. It could be corn, wheat, malted barley, corn, rye, wheat, however you want to mix all those up, but it's those, that's, that's all bourbon is. And so just with that basis of knowledge, I think puts you ahead of a lot of the consumers and I'm still learning uh, things about bourbon that I don't know. We, we partner with Bardstown Bourbon Company mm-hmm. and every time I'm on the phone with those guys, I learn something new about the Rick house, about where different barrels need to be in the Rick house to gather different characteristics and how, how they age differently, depending on what floor and position that they're at in the Rick house. You know, those are just things that are so much, you know, 3000 level class uh, bourbon things that you don't really know unless you devote a lot of time and energy to learning them. It's very well said. It's I'll, I'll use the correlation of wine, which is for me, I, I love wine for two entirely different reasons. One is the taste profile all by itself. But in addition to that, it's the food and wine pairing. And I'm sure, I'm assuming you've had some good wine and good food in your time. And so just how much an amazing wine can bring out the flavor of everything else. Mm-hmm. And I feel like bourbon has that same opportunity, but just all the different levels of profiles, it's just in the aromas they can pull out. So you're on a really fun journey. I'll be curious where it takes you next. Oh, um, yeah. And the wine, I feel like wine and, and bourbon have a lot of parallels. I, I agree with you there. It's something, you know, I've spent so much time on bourbon. I have really lacked on my wine knowledge, which my girlfriend now, she uh, she's a big wine person. So she's trying to teach me about the different grapes and stuff now, but it's, it's definitely a fun thing and something you can toy around with and, uh, and have fun while you're doing it. Hand Barrel has getting so much success now that you're winning awards. So why don't you tell us about the recent competition you were in, the event itself, what it means to you, and then what awards you received? Yeah. So we were just down in, uh, well, I, I live in Orlando. But we were um, at the WSWA, Wine and Spirits Wholesalers of America. It's the largest uh, gathering of of wholesalers uh, every year that kind of rotates between Orlando and Las Vegas. And I was lucky enough that it was local for me this year. Um, It's, it's, in my opinion, you know, based off the, uh, what I know about these awards, it's the least pay to play uh, award ceremony so to speak because it's uh it's these people are a lot more harsher or a little little harder judges on uh on these things and so what we were able to 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 get to get is a is a silver medal for our small batch and uh, a gold medal for for one of our single barrels um we we had people from the judging um committee actually stop by our booth and congratulate us and, and tell us how uh, impressed they were and then they're asking questions well, well well how actually actually how old is this and and we're not you know we're not going to lie to anybody our first bottling was two and a half year old spirit and and people typically don't believe us I mean I had one guy tell me he thought it was a six-year-old bourbon and I was like I, try again like less than half um and, and which kind of shows a testament to you know what you said is it is really quality juice that we're that we're putting out there and, and it's just going to be getting better as we grow to our maturity you know we'd like to be putting out minimum 
uh, four year four year old product. Um, but uh, you know, as we're growing business, we have to kind of bottle what we have um, and put it out there. But um, it seems like every tasting we go to, people are impressed that um, number one, it's not a four year old bourbon, and I think um, that says a lot about the the quality that we've been able to uh, obtain. I'm going to throw out two or three terms I found on your website. Unique mash bill. Can you tell me what that means in layman terms? Uh, so when we talk about the 64-24-12 mash bill, um, it's kind of what I was saying with how bourbon's at least 51%, and many bourbons are above that 70% corn, 70 to 80% corn, and ours is as low as uh, the 64%, and it's a sweet mash bill as opposed to a sour mash bill, which more do sour mash, and ours is a sweet mash, and most do above 70% corn, and ours is below. So that, that makes it a bit unique in the, in the recipe, uh, so to speak, for the, for the distillate. Okay. And then one more would be uh, number four alligator charred barrels. Yes. So that's a good, that's actually, I love that. Um, so with the oak wood barrels, this isn't just like polished oak wood. Um, these are dirty milled staves that are, you know, shoved together in a warehouse. You know, they put the ring, they've been making barrels the same way for hundreds and hundreds of years. And these are just like those. But what they do in order to, to get better characteristics from the wood is they burn the inside. They have a torch uh, and they kind of like, I don't know if you've seen where they do it for fences so that they mm. uh, so that kind of like, instead of staining, they'll burn the wood. That's what kind of what they do to the inside just until it catches fire and then they put it out. And that's what, the whiskey comes in contact with is the charred oak wood inside the barrel. Uh, so if you ever have the opportunity, maybe you're at Home Depot or somewhere and they sell like those cut in half Jack Daniels barrels for planters, uh, you take a look, it, it'll, you'll notice how it's burned on the inside uh, mm. so that the spirit has an easier time entering the wood. And the more far, the softer, think about it as layers, that burnt layer is softer than the than the wood, and so the the more burn and four is is four is um, pretty charred. Uh, they I think some go a little bit further, some do a little bit less, but it's 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 kind of that sweet spot where there's that soft spot where it can penetrate pretty well, and as the wood swells and shrinks with the humidity and the heat and the cold, um, it's allowed allows more characteristics to be pulled from that barrel. The sugars and, and, the, uh, and the spice from the wood. Okay, so, so to make that super simple. Sorry. No, 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 you're, you're fine. I just want to get clarity because I feel like this is one of those questions that a lot of people want to know the answer to uh, on a more one-on-one beginner level. The more charred, the more, the pro the more flavor profile or yeah i'd say the more char within reason uh the more woody characteristics you can get from the barrel i think when i've tasted yours in the past they were all straight not as a cocktail at all um and it was amazing 
as is, but obviously people are going to be using your bourbons in cocktails. So are there one, two, three suggestions on in great cocktails? I'm sure Bjorn has his own ideas as a bartender. But uh, when you think of it, what are some of your favorite cocktails that you would make with your bourbon? So this is stuff I learned from Bjorn. So you talk about the the journey of 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 owning a bourbon company and you know his experience in the bar scene. So when you're when you're doing uh, bourbon cocktails and not so much like a a Jack and Coke or or even like a, you know a whiskey smash, a lot of times those mask the majority of the uh, flavor of of the bourbon. So we'll we'll kind of push those aside a bit. Um, but like when you're, when you're making a cocktail, you would like a higher proof bourbon because you're going to be diluting it and you're going to be adding things to it. So the higher proof, the bourbon, the better it stands up in a cocktail and you can still actually taste, taste the whiskey. Uh, the lower proof stuff gets watered down more and you lose a lot of the, the whiskey taste. Um, so that's why everything we have is bottled at 105 proof. We try to get it as close to the cast strength as possible. Um, and this is on purpose because when you have a bottle that looks like a cask, we kind of want it to mirror exactly what's in the cask itself. So that's why we do straight, uh, Kentucky bourbon. And it's actually also, and I forgot to mention it's uh, non-chill filtered. And for another you know, in layman's terms, or, or to explain what that means, is that uh, there's a chill filtration process where they 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 cool it down and they and they filter out uh, what comes off of the uh, off of the the whiskey. And what happens after you distill it? Um, there's like a, a mucus membrane or like mucusy uh, viscosity that can be on top of all of the uh, the whiskey. And so a lot of people chill filter it. So when you get it colder, those things kind of congeal and they're able to fil filter them out. Um, we don't do that because we like the viscosity and, and the naturalness of the, of the whiskey. Um, and that's, again, we want it to mirror exactly what comes out of the barrel. Um, so that's why we don't chill filter. Uh, so that was a bit of a tangent, but back to the actual question. Um, having a high proof, and, and spicy um, bourbon like ours with with the, the high rye content, the rye spice, I think stands up well in a uh, in a Manhattan. Uh, that's my favorite uh, bourbon cocktail, uh, bourbon slash rye cocktail, and, and an old fashioned. I mean, it, it's not we're not reinventing the wheel here with uh, with what we're doing, um, but I think that those are two of like you know fastball down the middle. Um, good cocktails that require a good quality, high proof, um, flavorful bourbon. And the other one that Bjorn kind of uh, pioneered for us is the, uh, is the uh, espresso martini uh, with bourbon. And I, you know, I, I probably had one espresso martini maybe ever before. And so we're, we're at the office and he's kind of tinkering around and kind of come up with some ideas. And he had this thought about, you know, the, the espresso martinis is, is, is complex because of the coffee, but what if we add something else to it to kind of create it, make it more complex? 
And so instead of using vodka, he subbed in uh, the hand barrel bourbon and with the sweet mash and the spiciness and, and the, uh, you know, with the small batch, you get a lot of butterscotch caramel notes. So it's almost like putting creamer in your coffee uh, with the espresso martini. And, and it, it really creates a really tasty uh, cocktail that, um, we know, when we go to restaurants and we're pitching uh, for them to, to carry our, our product, it's one that we recommend that they take a look at and, and, and many have, uh, have adopted it. And you're mentioning pitching to restaurants. What, what is the future? What, what do you see happening in the next six months, 18 months, 36 months? What's, what's new? What's next for you? So right now we're only in, um, I mean, this is what's today, April 21st, 2023. We're actually only sold on shelves in two States. Uh, well, I guess technically three, uh, cause of Rhode Island, but, um, we're only sold in Kentucky and in Massachusetts, kind of where we came up with the business, um, and online. So right now we we've signed paperwork to get into, uh, 12, 12 more States. Um, so probably 14 States this year, we have a bottling run next week. We're filling 25,000 bottles to support those markets. Wow. We're just trying to be anywhere and everywhere. Uh, we want to be an available bourbon to, to any consumers that are looking for something unique and interesting and a giftable item so that they can have it as a centerpiece uh, on their home bar cart and, and have a conversation starter. I think another thing that's that's on the, the roadmap for us is some of these custom bottles that we're able to do. So we have the ability, because of our technology, to really change the look of the bottle. I mean, you see here is a, is a camo bottle. Oh yeah, okay. What we're able to do is um, create a camo bottle or maybe for a sports team or a charity to create a sort of cause marketing effect or relate to a rabid fandom uh, that uh, is interested in bourbon and interested in their thing that they like uh, to, to get more people picking up hand barrel bourbon and um, displaying it proudly. You know, you already know I'm a fan. Um, so people are watching, they're listening. Where can we find more? Where can we find you on social media? Where can we find you online? And more importantly is where can we buy you? Yeah, so uh, on Instagram, it's uh, it's just hand barrel, at hand barrel bourbon. And that's something, you know, I think so there's three of us in the company. Uh, we need to be better about updating that. And we're, we're already working with some photographers to, to get some more lifestyle photos and, and us being responsible ourselves for taking more photos. Uh, so that's something we're going to be trying to ramp up here in 2023. Uh, online, uh, www.handbarrel.com. Uh, we ship to 37, 38 states. So you can order online. Um, we're, like I said, in Kentucky and Mass, we're going to be on the West Coast, uh, California, Washington, Nevada, Arizona, we're in, we're getting into Georgia and Tennessee, we're looking at Oklahoma, we're looking at Kansas, we're looking at Michigan, we're looking at Florida, um, New Hampshire, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, um, we're, we're trying to get, like I said, far and wide, so, you know, hopefully by 2024, will be pretty easy to find on the shelf. That's fantastic. I hear from winemakers sometimes that certain states are harder to get into for obvious or not so obvious reasons. Are there any states that 
are challenges or are there any states that you personally are really looking forward to for some reason? That's a good question. So there are states that are a challenge. Um, like Pennsylvania, for for instance, is what is what's called a control state. So they, mm -hmm. the state has a lot more influence over the alcohol. They get their hands on it um, before anybody else is able to. They do all the ordering. It's good and bad. They're a bit of a, a necessary evil. They'll purchase in large quantities, but they pay on their terms and and they and they put a lot of taxes on it. So there's about 17 control states: North Carolina, Pennsylvania. Oregon, um, and then Wyoming, There's and there's a handful of others. So those ones do po uh, pose an interesting challenge and probably ones we'll look to broach once we have most of what's, what's called the open states. Um, ones that we're excited about and that we're kind of saving, so to speak, are Texas and Florida. Um, since we went into Cal, decided to go into California and we found an awesome partner on the West Coast to, to get us in there. Uh, we're, we're saving the other two highly populous states, other two, you know, two of the three largest, uh, until we expand again in 2024. Um, we're going to look to double our output uh, just because we don't want to run out of product in the markets that we're in. We want to be sure that we're there and we're able to support those markets with uh, enough good whiskey and also with our own personal time. So oftentimes you probably ask the same questions over and over again. And sometimes you may want to highlight or feature different ideas or stories or flavors or anything. So is there anything else that you want to bring up that we haven't gotten to that you'd love to share? Um, I guess there's the one thing that I, I forgot to mention, you know, I did mention it's a zero plastic uh, package, uh, but the other piece about the package and, and something unique that we bring to the table is uh, it's a it's a UV protectant for the whiskey. Um, UV light will degrade brown spirits over time. It's it's just science. You know, beer's known it. Uh, you know, you got some of them that do uh, the the green bottles or the dark brown bottles uh, to protect the beer inside because of the sunlight. Uh, much the same way, I, our our coating and uh, that our ink coating that we put on our bottles uh, allows uh, for easier storage. It can be in the sunlight. It can be you know wherever you want. It can be recycled. You can put soap in it and put it in your bathroom. You can put it in the dishwasher on a plane on a train with a fox in a box. <laughs> you want to consume hand barrel. Um, we uh, we try to make that um, accessible through the the packaging that we've produced. Outstanding. I, I'm, you, you've, you've put a lot of thought into so much of this and it's amazing. I think if you're ever open to it in the future, really doing a deep dive into that process you guys went through when you're actually creating your blend, because my gosh, I bet there's a lot of knowledge in there and just the experience you had deciding on what it was going to taste like. Um, so huge thank you for your time and congratulations on the awards and uh, cheers, congratulations, and uh, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's great talking to you. And that is the end of our show. I want to thank my guests today. Thank you for the conversation. I want to thank our producers and our editors. Thank you for a great job today. And last but not least, I want to thank you, our listeners and our watchers. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. See you next time.